Amen. You may be seated there for just a few moments. God bless you this morning. Good morning. Real quick, I want to read two um, thank you cards. Um, dear Santee Circle ladies, I wanted to thank you for all of your hard work and time, excellent food that y'all provided for Brianna's bridal shower. Everyone works so efficiently and beautifully together. I so much appreciate all the work and love everyone put forth. I couldn't have done it without you all. Thank you again for everything. It means more than you know. God bless Tracy Grant. And that's Brianna's mom. And then there was another one that said, Dear Santee Circle, Church of God ladies, thank you so much for the cookware set. I am so excited to have a matching set in Jonathan's kitchen. I really appreciate your generosity and thoughtfulness. I'm looking forward to being a part of the ministry. P.S. Thank you so much for all your help setting up and cleaning up for the shower. Y'all did an awesome job, and we really appreciate it. Love, Brianna. Thank you, all ladies. Being loved. This morning, uh, one of the little young ladies in Sandy's class brought me this. She said, I did this for you. It says, a grateful heart is a magnet for miracles. And the Lord teaches us that if we're grateful, he'll respond in kind. In Psalms 138, the title says, I will praise thee with all my whole heart. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods while I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth the far off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hand.
am because the I am tells me who I am. I know I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am.
sing this whole praise chorus together. For I Oh, we worship you, Lord. today. You truly are worthy of it all. God, we ask that in the solemnness and sacredness of this moment, you would have it inhabit the praises of your people. As the praises go up, we declare and decree, Lord, we ask your blessings to come down in this place and speak to our hearts. We feel the Shekinah glory of heaven making habitation and residency on this place. God, we don't want to move out from under the spout where the glory's coming out. We don't want to get ahead of you. We don't want to be behind you. We don't want to be in front of you, but we want to be right beside you, right in the middle of your presence. For from you, Lord, we have declared, flows all things. And to you are all things, because you alone deserve all the glory. You are worthy, Lord, to be praised magnify you we glorify you we worship you today hallelujah lord we worship you today oh you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory oh do you believe that today you deserve it lord <laughs> lord you lord we know you're worthy of it all Oh, Lord, we just wait on you for a moment, Lord. For from you are all things. Lord, you deserve, you deserve the glory. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord if you can. I'll have you stand in just a moment. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Exodus, chapter 14. The book of Exodus, chapter 14. I do have a couple housekeeping items that I need to make mention to you. If you have children, please go get them after church. They don't get to stay here. We don't do room and board. So please pick up your children. You can always go with more than you got. Just don't leave with any less than you brought. That's the philosophy around here. If, you're okay, if other people are okay with you taking their kids, that's great. But don't leave with less. Take more. Uh, make sure your kids get their cookies before they leave from uh, Brother Randy. 
those watching online or even in-house, you can always download an app called Our Church and Google or the Apple Store. Just literally called Our Church. It'll look like that little church right there. And it'll say Our Church. And then when it, when you download it, it'll say Name of Church. And you'll type in Santee Circle COG. And you'll have a mobile version app of the church. If you don't like apps and you like computers, you can always find out what's going on on our campus at SanteeCircleCOG.org. has all of our events and things and forms and liability release forms and all the stuff you would ever need. If you like our services, you can always go to Apple or Google Podcasts and search Santee Circle COG and re-listen to services. Even if you don't like our services, that's not our problem. Download it anyway so that our reviews keep going up. That would be fantastic. We appreciate it. You can download it and never listen. It makes us think you are, and Google says we get more reviews. So let's do that. Just download it for fun. If you're new to the church, uh, right now, due to COVID, we're getting ready to get back into a habit of giving again. But right now, we're doing it a little bit different just to try to keep everyone safe. We do have in-house giving. There are two wooden boxes at the front. And when you leave, headed out towards the vestibule and the Welcome Center area, there is one on my right and your left. Well, you'd be your right exiting the church as well. Uh, right outside the door, a wooden box. You can give in that. Uh, you can also mail it at 1211 North Highway 52. Monk's Corner. You can always use the tithe.ly app, or you can go to the website, santeecirclecog.org backslash give. There's really no excuse. I've made it about as simple as possible. If you give me your address, I'll come pick it up from your house if you want me to. I don't really care. We can make it about as simple as we possibly can for you. So just as a reminder, those wooden boxes that you see, these are not uh, postcard holders. These are not, you know, an urn full of, you know, uh, former church members who didn't like what we did. This is a tithing offering box. We, we, it's just a given to the Lord. Um, and uh, so we uh, want you to do that. I do have a couple announcements that I want to make you aware of. The deadline for the South Carolina Church of God Women's Retreat. The Women's Retreat this year is going to be on April 1st and 2nd. It is a Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. Uh, you'll be done by lunchtime on Saturday and be back here a little after lunch, you know, it's about a two and a half, three hour drive to the campground. But this year, we're going to try our best to take whoever would like to go to the women's retreat this year. Uh, I will have a flyer. Uh, you can already see it on our, our Facebook page. The flyer is already out. Uh, it's already posted in the on the boards. And Sister Jennifer has a flyer as well of it as well. The deadline to sign up is February the 23rd. Know that seems like well it's the 20th well we just had to make sure we could get through COVID around here and get everybody healthy again but uh, it's the 23rd uh, she if you want more information please see sister Jennifer Wyatt who was the lady who read the cards this morning uh, who is the uh, women's ministries president uh, she'll give you more information we're working it out to make it as inexpensive as possible the church is going to help you some you will need your help some but we're going to try to do this together if you want to go we're going to we're going to get you there. they got some incredible speakers. They've got uh, singer-songwriter Karen Wheaton, uh, who uh, made famous songs like The Windows of Heaven Are Open and The Church Medleys. And they've got, uh, those of you that ever watched the movie War Room, uh, the, the grandmother of War Room that is the one that kind of talks about what it means to go into a prayer closet and create it. She's the keynote speaker. She's really not a grandmother. She just looks that way for the movie. She's actually a lot younger than that, but she is going to be speaking a phenomenal speaker and uh, so you want to make sure you're a part of that next sunday we have been given an esteemed opportunity for two things one we had a contact somebody that contacted us this week uh, of a southern gospel group called isaiah 61 they're a church of god group out of uh, brunswick georgia 
that were on their way through and had some stops in South Carolina. And they were going to be singing next Sunday morning. And the next Sunday night, they were going to be a little bit further up near Columbia. Their Sunday morning on Friday, uh, this past Friday, canceled on them for next week. And so they were, you know, jobless, if you will, for Sunday morning. So they have agreed uh, to come in and do uh, a worship service with us. We'll still have preaching. But they're going to do the worship part for our services next Sunday morning. They're going to come in, lead worship for us on their way through to Columbia. So next Sunday morning, please try your best to come. We'll open with a hymn and a song of praise with our band, and then we'll turn it over to them for, for the worship set. But we're going to worship with them. It's a Southern Gospel group. They're Church of God, so you're not going to freak them out if you worship with them. You'll freak them out if you don't worship with them because they would expect nothing less. So it's going to be a great time. Most of you here love Southern Gospel music. You love it. It's a quartet style. Uh, 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 three guys and a lady. Uh, quartet style. Uh, the fact that the bass singer of that group just recently came off the road. Uh, singing with a you know large name professional group but he wanted to kind of settle down a little bit and not be traveling as much so uh, they're very good very talented uh, you can find them on YouTube other other uh, venues you can watch their videos Isaiah 61 is their group name but they'll be here next Sunday morning with us and then we'll have the message immediately following that as well then Sunday night for many of you that are a part of our family, you know we're a big uh, supporter and involved in CLM, which is the Change Lives Ministries of Monk's Corner that helps with the drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. In fact, I teach uh, once a month, I teach some of their Bibles classes for their, for their uh, participants or their students. In fact, I teach tomorrow, so please be praying for me. That being said, next Sunday night, every year, every couple months, they have a graduation service for the people that have completed the program. Next Sunday night, they have contacted us and asked us to be the host church for a graduation to see some of these fine folks graduate from giving their life back to Jesus Christ or either giving it to him for the first time and overcoming alcohol and drug rehabilitation and being sober and being cleaned up and living for Jesus Christ. And so next Sunday night at 6 p.m., we are going to host their graduation. We're going to do all the worship, and instead of a message, those two candidates are going to share their testimony of where God has brought them from and how he's delivered them. And we're going to have some finger foods in the back for them. Miss, Miss Ann Krause is already working on that. And she's got people, if you want to help bring finger foods for those graduates that night and their families, uh, you can let them know. We're expecting about 30 uh, or so of them to be here because of all the former graduates and their families. We're going to celebrate. Can, can, you know, I don't know about you, but it excites me to know that people are coming out of lifestyle of sin and want to know more about Jesus Christ. I wish more people got saved. I'm going to be honest with you. I wish more people wanted to know about Jesus. So we're going to celebrate with them next Sunday night uh, for that. It's going to be an exciting time in the Lord. Uh, and then finally, oh, two things. Finally, tonight, don't miss services tonight. We have a special treat for you, Sister um, Lila Faye Gamblin, who comes to church with us here on Sunday morning. She's going to be singing for us tonight. We're so excited to hear her sing tonight. She's going to be blessing us in song tonight. As many of you know, my life is about to quickly change in about two weeks. <laughs> I'm getting a new boss. Miss Carol has been my boss for the last two years. Now I'm going to have two bosses. I'm going to have one at church and one at home. I'm not going to have any freedom anymore in my life. My life is now drastically changing. That being said, uh, obviously, I'm not going to be here some uh, due to the nature of the beast. But on March the 6th, uh, the wedding is March the 5th. But if you haven't sent in your RSVP, don't, don't worry about it just because we're past the deadline. So we love you, but we got to cap you because we got to pay for it. So, uh, but we love you. But uh, anyway, March the 5th. 
is the wedding day, but on March the 6th, um, uh, I will be here Sunday morning, so don't think you have an excuse not to come to church. I'm getting married on Saturday and coming to church Sunday morning, because I know half of y'all wouldn't come if I had a guest speaker. Hello, preacher. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. All right. So I'm going to be here, so no excuses. But all joking aside, I'll be here Sunday morning because my flight doesn't leave till 5 o'clock, and there's no way that I would be able to sit at home and wait until 5 o'clock and be wondering what y'all are doing at 11 o'clock. So I'm going to be here on Sunday morning. But on Sunday night, Brother Andrew Boffman is the chaplain studying to be a chaplain uh, at CIU Columbia International. will be bringing the message that Sunday night. Please be supportive of him. Last time he talked about the love letters of God and did an incredible job. He'll be doing that on March the 13th. The former shepherd and pastor of this house, Pastor Henry Ard, uh, Reverend uh, uh, Henry Ard, will be bringing the Sunday morning message on March the 13th. And for those of you who know, he's not here today because he's preaching. But on Sunday night, Pastor Jerry Causey, who's been preaching for us some hit and miss, will be preaching Sunday night. So you get to hear everybody. You hear me. You hear Brother Ard. You hear Brother Causey. You hear Andrew. You got at least like one of us. That's four chances. Somebody you got to like. All of them can't be that bad. So... Find one you like and come, please, and help us out. So uh, we'll give you more information about that next week. All right, let me jump into the Word today because I know what you're thinking about. It is not the Bible. It is about Gilligan's hush puppies. I know that's what you're thinking about right now. Or maybe that's just me, but we need to get through it together. Exodus chapter 14, we're going to start in verse number 10. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word to honor the Lord today. If you're physically able, if you're not, we completely understand. I'm going to preach fast, you listen fast, and we're going to get out of here together. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians had marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because, we were, because there were no graves in Egypt, what have you done? Brought us out here to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Basically, they're saying, what did you do? You brought us out here, and you're going to let us die. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. What they're saying is, it was better for us to live under captivity and bondage than to take a step of faith. Think about what I just said. Some people would rather live under the yoke and oppression of sin because sin is comfortable rather than take a step of faith with God. We'd rather take comfortability. Moses said to them, Fear not, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to the day. For the Egyptians who you have seen this day, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. If I stopped and closed my Bible right now and told you we're dismissed, that's all you needed to hear today. That for 2022, it doesn't matter what's going on in Pennsylvania Avenue and Washington, D.C., or what's going on in Berkeley County, South Carolina. If you know the Lord, the Lord will fight on your behalf, and you can hold your peace, because if God be for you, who's going to be against you? For the Lord is fighting on your side today. And the Lord said to Moses, Why cry unto me? Speaking to the children of Israel. They go forward. What God is saying, God said, why are you stopping? Keep moving. Lift up your rod. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. The children of Israel will go forth on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will hearken the hearts of the Egyptians. And they will follow you. 
and I will get honor upon Pharaoh and upon his host and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, this world may not know who Jesus is and there may be a lot of people have not bowed their knee and say, Lord, you are master and savior of my life, but there is coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess whether they believe it now or they believe it at the great white throne judgment. There's coming a day we all are going to see that he really is the Lord and who he said he was. And I will get honor upon Pharaoh and his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of the Lord went before the camp of Israel. He removed and went behind them and a pillar of cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by the night to these, so that no one came neither the other all night long. Verse 21, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and God caused the sea to roll back by a strong east wind all night. And he made that sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went to the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were as a wall unto their right hand and unto their left. And with the Lord's help, I want to preach to you problems, plagues, and pathways. Problems, plagues, and pathways. Heavenly Father, under the direction of your Holy Spirit, I commit this service into your hands. I am just a mere mortal, lipped of clay, but I want to preach like a man from another world. Lord, I'm asking you today to speak to the hearts of the believers. Help me today to be able to convey your word. Let us not just be hearers, but doers thereof. And in this we pray and ask and commit these in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord's name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now this sermon is going to be a little bit different than something I've probably ever done before. Normally I give you a bunch of points and I have it on the screen and you can take notes. Well, today you're going to have to go old school. You're going to have to just make up your own notes if you take notes because they're not giving them to you. I'm just going to talk to you for a little bit. Problems, plagues, and pathways. I want to set up, if you'll give me about two minutes, this story. This story does not start in Exodus. It actually starts back in a book called Genesis. In Genesis, there's a man we have become introduced to by the name of Terah. Terah lived in, Ur, uh, uh, lived in a land, uh, Ur of the Chaldeans. He had some sons, Nahor, and he had a son named Abram. Nahor died, and he left behind a son named Lot. Abram married a woman by the name of Sarai. Sarai and Abram became, if you will, adoptive parents to their nephew, Lot. Terah dies, and the Lord speaks to Abram after his father dies, and he says to Abram, I want you to go to a country, a land flowing with milk and honey. He's never seen this land before. God directs the path of Abram, and Abram has ups and downs in his lives. He meets different, in fact, he, he goes to Egypt one time, and he lies about uh, Sarai being his wife because she was so beautiful and his half-sister technically and was afraid of what would happen. So he lied about it. He also lied to a king called Abimelech. The same story. He thought she was beautiful in the land of the Philistines and he thought that they would take her from him. Lot and Abram, Lot grows up. There's a beautiful place. Lot takes a wife. Abram and Lot's 
family gets too big and so they separate and Abram gives Lot the choice and Lot chooses a place that many of us know called Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the place where we find the famous story of the pillar of salt. Lot's wife and them are escorted out of the the city. They only had one uh, command. Do not turn back. Do not look back. The Bible says, Jesus said, any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. God told Lot and his wife, don't look back at what life used to be in Sodom. Don't look back at the sin you used to be entangled in. Don't go back to the old ways that you used to be involved in and hang out with the old friends. Once you get saved, once you get delivered from the hell hole God's brought you out of, don't ever look back. Keep going forward the whole time. But Lot's wife couldn't let go of the past, and she looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Abram and his wife, Sarai, in Genesis 18, get three visitors. They promised them that they're going to have a baby. Abram and Sarai had already taken some matters in their own hands and created a, if you will, illegitimate child by Sarah, Sarai giving her handmaiden Hagar to Abram, which created son named Ishmael, which is where we get the Islamic people or the Islam faith. They all trace their lineage, and all of those uh, Arab countries trace their lineage through a guy by the name of Ishmael, which is the son of Abram. God changed Abram's name. One day Abram's standing outside and he asked God. God says, Abram, count the stars. And Abram says, Lord, I can't even keep up with how many stars. He said, that's how your descendants will be. They'll be as numerous as the stars and the sand on a seashore. And your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham, because I'm going to establish this covenant with you. And your wife Sarah will be, Sarai will be called Sarah. Well, they eventually have the son of laughter. You know the story. Sarah laughs in the tent saying it's not possible. They have the son named Isaac. Isaac and Ishmael grow up. Sarah dies. Abraham takes another wife, Keturah. She has some kids, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac gets married. He marries a beautiful girl named Rebecca. Rebecca and Isaac have some kids. They have two twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's trying to pull Esau out of the womb, pull him back from getting out of the womb because he wants to be first for the birthright. So they named him Jacob, which meant the deceiver or the supplanter, and tried to drag him back in. Jacob was a mama's boy. He knew how to cook. He knew how to clean. His hands had never touched the oil or grease every day in his life. Esau was a man's man. He was hairy. He was rough. He was rugged. He smelled. He sprayed deer pee all over himself and went out and hunting and fishing and didn't take a shower when it was over. He was a man's man. I mean, that's what Esau was. He was a man's man. Well, Jacob, one day, him and his mama conjured up a scheme. They go get the birthright, convince the father, Isaac, to, to give it to Jacob. Jacob has to run off. He, he runs off to Uncle Laban's house, falls in love with a beautiful girl named Rachel. Man, women will get you every time, won't they? He decides he was willing to work seven years, the divine number of completion. Well, the deceiver got deceived because after seven years of working, he's like, ooh, I'm getting married today to a beautiful girl. In that culture, they kept the veil on the whole time. The veil was covered. And lo and behold, he went in to be with his beautiful, illustrious wife. The next morning, he pulled the covers back to look at her beautiful face and realized he had lazy-eyed Leah. It was not beautiful Rachel anymore. He had the cross-eyed chick. He was like, this is not what I worked for. I know this ain't what I was working for. I don't know whether to look at her left eye or her right eye because neither one of them are looking at me. I don't know which one to look at right now. So he goes back to Uncle Laban and says, what have you done? Now remember, Jacob's the mastermind deceiver. He got played. Uncle Laban says, well, you know, we, we, you know, we can't let the oldest, I mean the youngest be married before the oldest. 
So Uncle Laban said, I tell you what, I'll give you Rachel. Fulfill the weak responsibilities with Leah, and I'll give you Rachel, but you've got to work another seven years. That means you've got to work 14 total years for this girl. At that point, I'd have just been like, she ain't worth that. I don't care how pretty she is. She ain't worth 14 years of my life. I've already got stuck with something over here. I sure ain't about to take this chance a second time. First time, shame on, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. I ain't doing this again. You got any other daughters I don't know about in there? But he did. He married Rachel. They have some kids. Well, Leah has some kids first. Rachel is barren. Then Rachel's upset, so she sends her servant in there to have kids. Then Leah gets mad at women just couldn't get along with each other. Leah gets mad because the servant of Rachel's having kids, and she's like, well, that's not fair. So she sends her servant girl in there to have kids. Well, then Rachel gets mad. Man, it's like a Peyton's place all over again. they all swapping everybody around. It's like days of our lives gone south. I mean, it's the first soap opera of the Bible. You don't know who's with who this week. Everybody's swapping somebody around. Jacob's like, who the baby daddy? Oh, that's me, but I don't know who the mama is. I don't know who, which one it is this week. So anyway, long story short, finally we get a boy named Joseph from Rachel. Joseph has 12 brothers. We call them the 12 tribes of Israel. One day his dad gives him a beautiful coat of many colors and he sends him off. Now, Father Abraham, Grandfather Abraham, had been told by the Lord that your family would end up in Egypt and they would be enslaved for over 400 years captivity Joseph gets out to go check on his brothers they rip up his coat they sell him into slave traders of a group of Ishmaelite slave traders they they sell him out from under him he's shipped off to Egypt he's bought by a guy captain of Pharaoh's army called Potiphar Potiphar he works his way up God blesses him he becomes the if you will the steward of the house Uh, outside of Potiphar he was the head guy in charge as an illegal immigrant he was the head guy in charge and then he gets accused of rape. I mean, Potiphar's wife had an eye for him. He wouldn't do what she asked him to do, so she cries out, he violated me. Well, Potiphar didn't take too kindly to that, so he has him thrown in jail. And he goes thrown in jail. He finds favor with the jailer, works his way up, being head of the jail. He meets two guys, a butler and a baker. They have a dream from Pharaoh's court. He tells the baker, yeah, I hate to tell you, buddy, but you're about to get your head. Sorry, buddy, you're out. The butler, he's like, yeah, you're going to be restored when you go back to Pharaoh. Well, sure enough, three days later, butler, I mean, the baker, the butler goes back to Pharaoh's palace. A couple years later, Pharaoh, about two years later, Pharaoh has some dreams about some ugly cows and some pretty cows coming out of the Nile River. Beautiful cows were looking great. The other cows came and ate them. Then he saw stalks of grain, beautiful stalks. East wind came and these thorns came and choked out the good grain. Couldn't figure it out. They finally remember, oh, there's this guy, Joseph. He knows dreams. They send for him. You know the story. He gets becomes second of Egypt. He gets Pharaoh's signet ring. He changes his name to Zathnath Paneo and means the revealer of dreams. And the rest of you, as they say, he marries a girl by the name of Potiphar, priest of An's daughter. And the rest of you say it's history, except one problem. Joseph dies. And the next generation did not know the same God of Joseph and the favor of Joseph because the Bible says that the Pharaoh that was sitting there did not remember Joseph anymore do you realize we are only one generation away from extinction think about what I just said and I want to take it a step further give me about 10 more minutes even if I have to pick up the rest of the night I will but but I really want to emphasize a few things this morning But not just are we one generation from extinction in reality talking about physically speaking, 
But I would like to caution us this morning that one of the problems we're facing in this world today is we're one generation away from losing our Pentecostal distinctiveness. Because we've got children and grandchildren that have never seen the God move like you've seen God move. They've never seen a healing service take place. They've never seen people that have been bound and oppressed or even demon-possessed or be delivered and set free. They've never seen a drunk person walk into a church and leave sober under the power of Jesus Christ or drunk by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They've never seen someone divinely healed with blindness or deafness or, or some kind of cancer being just completely there on a, on a CAT scan, but the next time they went up the PET scan showed nothing. They've never seen God move like that. Not only Pentecostal distinctiveness, we are one generation away from Christianity being extinct. Because the world is trying to keep us from going to church together, worshiping together, praying together, gathering together, singing together. If they had their way, you wouldn't even be here in this service this morning. One generation away. Pharaoh decides to put a tax. He tells the Women of Egypt, I want you to kill every baby boy that is born. You save the ladies, you know, they can marry our boys, but kill the babies. But there was a mother who trusted God more than she trusted man. Now, I could stand here for about the next 15 minutes, and I could preach you happy on just that idea. Trusting God rather than man. Because the Bible says to us, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto man. I'm telling you one of the problems, I'm, I'm going to preach on the church for a minute. I know that I'm employed by the church, but I'm going to preach on us. Because, you know, sometimes we got to be reminded of our own problems before we work. I've said to you many times, judgment does not begin at the White House. It begins in God's house. That's what the Bible said. So I might as well make sure we got it right and look at the specks in our own eyes, or look at the planks in our own eyes rather than the specks in the world's eyes. We as the church, I'm not talking about just our church. I mean universally, the church has some problems going on right now. we got things like this in the academia world, in seminaries. Right now, we have debates on whether to use gender-neutral pronouns, including feminine pronouns, to describe God as she and her. God as she and her, taught at Christian universities. We've got large denominations giving licensure and condoning for call of ministry, men and women who openly profess homosexual agendas and lifestyles. That the pastor of that church can be the pastor, but the first lady is not a lady. It's actually the first man of the church. Or the wife or the, the pastor who's a lady, it's not the, the first man of the church as in her husband, but it's her wife that's the first lady. So you have the woman pastor married to a woman, and they're your leaders in your church. Condoning it. 
sending him off and say, go bury other ones and bring him to the fold of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I know it might get me censored on Facebook and YouTube and it may make somebody in here mad and I really do apologize because I don't mean to offend, but the Bible said Jesus did not come to bring peace, but he brought a sword and a whip in his hand. I'm telling you, I don't care how you try to wrap it up in pretty bows and put all the beautiful colored wrapping paper around it. Sin is still sin. I don't care how you package it. You can open it up any way you want to. It's still an abomination before God. God himself and you can you can condone it you can make it whatever you want to you can say well they're called of God God does not call people in abomination God does not sanctify sin God does not glorify sin you can stand behind this sacred lectern and say whatever you want to but if you're living a life of sin God did not call you to this job God did not call you to this ministry God does not condone unrighteous living you go to that church and sit there all you want to, but it's abomination and a desecration before God himself. Gender-neutral pronouns, calling God she and her. But there was a mama, Jacobed, or Jacobed in Hebrew, who had faith. She had a baby boy. She already had an older son who didn't apply. A daughter, but she had a new baby. She knew that Pharaoh said kill the babies. But she had a choice to make, Brother Ray. I let him kill my only precious bundle of joy that I'm holding right now. Or I give him a fighting chance. So she takes some Nile River grass, some of the papyrus. And she weaves together a woven bassinet, a floating basket. The Bible says she took tar and she pitched, and she literally, tar and pitched, and she basically made it waterproof. A homemade floating bassinet. And the hardest thing I could ever imagine a mother having to do is laying her newborn baby in a bassinet with the cooing and the smiles and the reflective eyes looking back with such tender and love and having to shut the lid and watch it float away. She literally closed the lid hearing the coos of her baby. And she pushes it gently into a river. She watches it as for as long as she can. And when it's about to lose sight between the Nile River grass, she tells her daughter, I can't bear to watch this any longer. Miriam, I need you to follow and see where he ends up. And his teenage sister watches where he's headed. The Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. God does not, not, does not make mistakes. It was not happenstance that this floating bassinet happened to float in the same direction at the same time that Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath in the river. And she hears the cooing of a baby. Daddy might have said we got to kill all the babies, but when baby girl comes home and tells daddy I want to keep it, daddy keeps the baby. You let little, little Sally come back her pretty little eyes at you and say, Daddy, I want a puppy. Somebody's getting a puppy for too long, no matter what happened. Mama might say, We have no more dogs in this house. I already got your daddy. I don't need no more dogs in this house. Little Sally goes to Daddy, but, but Daddy, don't tell your mama. If we go ahead and get it now and bring it home, we're we going to do take it back. And then what they do, they bring the dog. Then they bring it to Mama and with a little bow on it and say, I'll pretty be like, now, do you really got to take it back? And they both give it puppy dog eyes. And Mama's like, this is wrong. Y'all are wrong. You know what mama does though? She keeps the dog. She kept the husband and the dog. She kept two of them. 
She feeds both of them too. And tries to potty train them. But the reality of it is, Pharaoh's daughter puts this baby up. She runs back home. Daddy says they got to die. But the Bible says, when God says live, it's going to live. Even if, even if the enemy says it's going to die, if God says live, it's going to live. Daddy said, no, no, we ain't keeping no babies. She said, but Daddy, how can we do this to this baby? You know what? Now this baby boy gets to not only live in a better place with living in the palace life, he gets the education of what it was like in Egypt. He gets promoted as a baby. Then Miriam walks up to her and says, well, I know you probably are not a mom, so you may not have the ability to nurse. Would you like me to fetch a Hebrew nurse that could nurse this baby? And she said, oh, yes, honey. If you would find me a nurse that could nurse this baby for me, that would be great. I will pay her. You know what Miriam does? She runs back to the baby's mama, says, hey, the, 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 the daughter of Pharaoh is the one that found him. She wants you to basically nurse your own baby, and she's willing to pay for you. That's every woman's dream job, getting paid for your own kids. Wouldn't you like it if school paid you to take them home? Wouldn't you like it if when you dropped them off at daycare, daycare said, you're the real hero, here's your money back. Wouldn't you like that? I would. The reality of it is this. I'll pick up the rest tonight, but the reality is this. Pharaoh's daughter, the, you know the story, Moses. But here's what I want to talk just for a few seconds. They've been under Egyptian bondage. They have, the Israelites have faced severe famine. They have dealt with all kinds of insecurities as a nation. You've got to remember they had this great family reunion with Joseph, brought all his family home. Then it turned into be an insecure nation, and Pharaoh decides to overtake it. It's been 350 years. Now there's this baby boy named Moses. Moses grows up, but Moses has a problem. You might can take the baby... You know, you've always heard it, you know, you can, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. The enemy can try to take you out of the will of God, but the will of God cannot get out of you because it will haunt you until you make a decision whether to run from it or whether to accept it. I'm going to say this quickly and then I'm going to move on. But if you don't believe it, when you go to heaven or if God, if he's in heaven and the Lord should allow it, you talk to Jonah about that. Jonah thought God called him to do a job and Jonah said, no, sir, I'm not doing that. And look at where that got him. Got him swallowed up and was a great fish. And, you know, when I, when I like to travel on the water, I like to do it in a, in a cruise ship. It's a little more comfortable, you know, unlimited food and safer. I, I typically don't try to transport across water and fish. It's bellies just never been something I've really been excited about. I've never wanted to sit inside of a belly full of seaweed and squid and sit around and be like, now, how'd you guys get in here? It's never been something I've really been excited about. Now, maybe you do. If you like to travel that way, God bless you. Please shower before you come next Sunday. But that's not how I typically like to travel. I, my philosophy, Brian was here, she would tell you, my philosophy of camping, or excuse me, my, yeah, camping, my philosophy of camping is a really bad hotel experience. That's my version of camping. It's like I went to the hotel, and it was not what I expected. I'm like, ooh, we're going to have to rough it out tonight, aren't we, babe? This is, that, this is camping. You know, all these people got tents, and they go lay on the ground. You, you, why, you do it on purpose. Why? Why do you want to subject yourself to, to cruelty on purpose? Last time I went camping, there was more rocks under my bed than there were in my bed. I was like, 
Why would you want to do this? Where's my CERTA sleep comfort number right now? The point to be made is this. Moses, you've got to remember, and Miss Carol, go ahead and make your way. It means nothing, but it makes them feel good. No, I'm closing. I'll finish the rest tonight. So if you want to hear the rest of the story, you better come back tonight. But here's the story. I don't have proof of this, but this is what I do believe. This is my portion of the story. I'm still talking about problems, and we'll talk the rest of it later. Because Moses had a lot, and we'll go through those. But every night, or every day, that Jacobet rocked baby Moses and fed him as his wet nurse, but his mama. Sister Beulah, part of me has to believe she told him about Joseph and Father Abraham as his bedtime stories. And she probably told him, you know, God called us years ago by great-grandpa Abram. She probably, brother, held him in her arms and she probably sang some kind of Hebrew nursery rhyme or lullaby that every baby had learned to sing. She taught him about Yahweh. I am who I am. The God of I am. She probably taught about the journeys of Abraham and Isaac and she probably told him about how Jacob had 12 sons and they were his uncles and how he came into existence. She instilled the word of God in this baby boy. But when he came old enough to go back to Pharaoh's palace there was something inside of him he just couldn't shake. It was the call of God. Because he could have been indoctrinated brother James and tried to get all of Pharaoh. Pharaoh might have been trying to get all of God outside of Moses but he couldn't get God outside of Moses because once God was in there he wasn't going to leave so easily. The Bible says there was a day Moses was standing outside. He was watching the mistreatment of the Israelite community where Pharaoh had tasked them and was beating them with, with whips and their fists and making them be slaves. Now, I don't know if Moses' mother ever told him he was Hebrew, but I mean, let's be real, y'all. He probably looked different than the Egyptians. Probably. Different country, different ethnicity. But he saw an Israelite getting beat up. And so at the moment, he didn't really know why, but something inside of him rose up. He couldn't bear to watch somebody mistreated like that. And he killed one of his own brothers, if you will, an Egyptian. Cold-blooded, right there. Got so scared, he buried him in the sand and took off running because he was afraid to tell what happened. Because he thought that the man who was the Israelite would be grateful, but the man who was the Israelite was rather around going around telling people he got killed. He killed the man. So Moses was afraid Pharaoh was looking for him, and he took off running. Never said goodbye to Mama Jacobet. Father Amram never said goodbye to his adoptive mom, Pharaoh's daughter. Never said goodbye to his stepfather or, or his, his grandfather, I'm sorry. Pharaoh said nothing and just ran. Don't that sound like Jonah? When it got tough, what did Jonah do? He ran to Tarshish to try to get away from God to Joppa. Moses finds himself now in his second problem, and I'm going to stop here. Moses found himself in a wilderness. Now, I don't know how many of you have come to church this morning but would admit this, but if you live long enough as a child of God, or even if you're not a child of God, there will come a point in your life you will have a desert experience. You will feel like you're living in a wilderness. You'll be dry. You'll be thirsty. 
You'll be barren, maybe physically, spiritually. You'll be grasping at straws. You will literally feel like the world is caving in around you. And you're out there in a big field. There's no end in sight. There's no oasis. It seems like the the heat of life is just beaming on you. And you're going to die in this place. Moses took off running. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's lost. He's running from God. Can I tell you, when you run from God, oftentimes you'll find yourselves in places you don't want to be. The Bible said that, talking about the story of Israel, there was a time that God wrote Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed this place. When the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines, the Bible said that they called the place Ichabod, for they said the glory of God. That's a bad place when God's not in the house. It's a bad time when you come to church, but God's not there. See, the problem I see in the world today is we've got a lot of churches that have perfected church, but they don't realize God's not with them. They've either got ahead of God or they're lagging really far behind God, but the cloud has been done moved or the fire has been done stopped, but they have perfected how to sing the right song to get you to jump to the right beat, to get you to cry at the right moment, to say the right words, to elicit an emotional response, not realizing God is nowhere to be found in that building. He's alone. He meets a girl named Zipporah. gets married. He becomes a shepherd. A man that had such promise. He's already beat death, cheated death once. He got raised in the palace of all places. I mean, he's raised in the top house of the land. And he gets demoted to desert living as a meager and and in that society looked at unfavorably shepherd boy went from prince of Egypt to a pauper in the wilderness but can I tell you in your wilderness experiences that's often where God will lead you because that's where you hear from him because the Bible said when Jesus finished doing his wedding in Cana in John 2 if you cross reference it back to Matthew the Bible said immediately the spirit of the Lord or excuse me right before he goes to the wedding in Cana Right before that, Matthew chapter 2, I believe, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into a wilderness. And the devil tempted Jesus, but as Jesus kept combating him with Scripture, the Bible said at the end of that story, it said when the devil finally left him alone, an angel of the Lord came and ministered unto him. See, when the hustle and bustle of life was going on, sometimes we miss the subtle whisper of God's voice. But when you're out there in the wilderness, there ain't no distractions because there ain't nothing out there with you. It's all quiet out there. You're all alone. He sees a bush burning. That's what we'll pick up tonight, but he sees a bush burning. Can I tell you, I don't know what you're going through in this place this morning, this afternoon, but I do have this to tell you this morning. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what problem you're facing, maybe it's your marriage, finances, a job, a child, grandchildren, church issue, maybe looking for a church, I don't know. But I do know this. Whatever your experience is, maybe somebody would say, hey, Pastor, I'm in the wilderness. You came to the right place. Thank God you made it here today. Because oftentimes your wilderness experience is just a pathway to take you to the next place. Because God's going, and we'll talk about that tonight, God takes a wilderness 
but it's actually a road map how to go to the next place. You know why? Because we'll talk about this tonight. I don't want to spoil it. But you know what? Moses came right back to that same wilderness to get the people over to the promised land. Sometimes God will let you see the end from the beginning. Sometimes God will go ahead and map out what you got to go through so he knows how you can bring others through the same thing you've already been through. Because how are you going to lead a nation if you've never been where they've been? How are you going to tell them God's able if you've never seen God provide and be able? So here's my challenge to you before we pray. And I open up this altar call. Whatever you're facing in this moment, do you believe that there's a God just like the God of Moses who can cheat death and who can make the steps of a good man or woman or Lord? Do you believe there's a God in heaven that can do the same for you? For you. There's miracles all over this house. You heard it a couple weeks ago. We talked about it. I mean, Chris and April were battling COVID last week, so they weren't obviously here. They're out of their quarantine period. But, I mean, you heard the story about them getting a house. God providing them a house. Didn't look like we didn't know what was going to happen. God gave them a house. That's a pretty good deal. I like that deal. God wants to drop me off of another house or car. I'm good with that. Praise the Lord. Preferably one with gas already filled up because I don't want to have to fill it up. It's expensive right now. Go ahead and put gas in it when you bring it, Lord. Brenda Burbage with shoulders. People that have been in here that had heart surgeries. Some in here that have had COVID. They're here to tell about it, which is a miracle because some people didn't. Here's my challenge, though. I don't know what you need, but do you believe he's able? Do you believe that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's my challenge. Here's my call to you today, my clarity and call to you today. Would anybody under the sound of my voice say, Pastor, I am in a situation right now, a wilderness moment, uh, 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 a situation where I need God to move. I got some problems. I got some things in my life. And I need God to make a pathway in my life. I need God to make a way where there seems to be no way. I need God to move on my behalf. And you say, Pastor, I need God to take my problem and turn it into a pathway towards victory. I need his help. Did you just slip up your hand? No, yes, there's one. And the other, yes, two, yes. Yes, I see that hand, too. Any others? I don't want you to leave today. Yes, praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. The ones that raise their hand, I'm going to ask you to, if you're able. If not, it's understand. We'll put some people in your way. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to come and stand beside me this morning. Just come. Just, just come stand right beside me. If you raise your hand, it's okay. Ain't nobody going to judge you. I'm standing up here. They don't know I didn't raise my hand. I'll raise both of them right now. I got problems in my life. I got family members that are lost. That's a problem for me. I got lost loved ones that I won't save. That's a problem for me. I don't want my family to go to hell. I don't want my cousins to die and go to hell. I have problems. I didn't choose that picture. We'll talk about it more tonight for those that are here. But I didn't choose that picture lightly on that screen. Because in that picture, it shows you a lot of different answers. It shows you that God's the God of the cosmos with the lightning, the ability. Obviously, we see the wind blowing the waves. We see the water on both sides. But we see a dry ground in the center of that. The Bible said God will make a way where there seems to be no way. You might be standing at a mountain. You might be standing at a monstrous sea. You might be standing in a wilderness, but God can cut a pathway. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your 
his paths, or he will make your pathways known or straight, depending on which translation. He'll let you know how to get there. The steps of a good man and woman are what? Ordered by the Lord. There are men and women standing beside me today. They want God to direct their path to where they're going. So here's what I need you to do. I believe that God called the church to not be spectators, but to be participators in his glory and in his ministry. You don't come, this is not a country club. If that's what you wanted, you need to go on there to O.T. Wallace Boulevard and go ahead and sign up at the Berkeley Country Club. Country clubs, you pay a few dues a year, and you get the benefits of eating at their little place and playing golf on their golf course and, you know, telling the people in the community how they cut their grass. You come to church, you don't pay tithes and offerings because you're at a country club. You give it because you, the Bible loves it. The Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. You give it because God's good. You don't come to church just for country club experience, for it to be pampered and primed and just be coddled and nursed. If you want to do that, i got a nursery outside that door. Miss Patricia and some of these fine ladies will teach you how to be, you know, babied. I believe we go to church because we're a family. It's like family reunion. We go to church to help one another get through the day. Make it one more step. So I'm going to ask you to do this as we all up here join hands together. I need you in the audience, those that are physically able to stand wherever you are. I'm not going to ask you all to come up here. I'm not going to put you in that situation. But I believe in the representation of the extension of an outstretched arm or outstretched hand. Some of these people you may know directly. Some of these people you may not know at all. But you know God, so that's all that matters. He knows who they are. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stretch your hand this way and as I lead this prayer I want you to pray as if it meant something to you if this was your need shall we pray together Father in a name that's above every name the name of Jesus Christ my dear brothers and sisters stand beside me this morning declaring and decreeing they've got some problems and some situations in their life that they need a deliverance but Lord they're asking for a pathway to be opened up to victory You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend according to your riches in Christ Jesus. We believe it right now, Lord, that you're able to do it. Let the men and women standing beside me today experience the glory of God and the pathway to to success and miracles and signs and wonders. Follow them out of this place today. Father, I pray when their feet leave the carpet and pavement of this auditorium and this parking lot that the favor of God would rest upon them (laughs) and they would walk in newness of light and know that God before them who can be against them for God has made a way where there seemed to be no way and he is still the author and perfecter of our faith who is still in control for that we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. The people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly just for a moment. And we're going to pray our benedictory prayer. If this is your first time, whether online, in-house, we welcome you today. If it is your first time with us uh, and you are in-house, would you just, uh, we're not going to call you out and make you come up, but would you just simply like just raise your hand if this is the first time you've ever been to Santee Circle ever? Yes, we've got one. Are there any others? It's your first time. we got one right over here. Thank you. Hospitality team members, please make sure you make note of who all here today. Let's get. We're not going to send you a bunch of unsolicited, you know, emails and send you coupons to get Wendy's Frosties, though you probably would like those.
We just want to know who you are so that the next time I see you in Walmart, I'm not like, hey, you, don't I see you before? No, I'd like to know what your name is. I probably won't remember it, but at least I'll try to remember it. And um, so, um, and I do believe, uh, Miss Ann, is this Miss Nina that's with us? Miss Nina, is this, God bless you. Thank you today. Um, and those who are here today that are, we thank you. Can we welcome our guests today as well? Praise team, if you'll help me sing this as our prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord. Can we declare amen unto the Lord? Let's sing it together. One more time. Can we sing Amen to the Lord? Amen. 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 That is my prayer for you today. Let's say this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Before Brother Andy Erchberger prays our benedictory prayer, can we just give God hand clap of praise for being with us in this place today. Amen. I love you. I'm praying for you. We'll have church tonight at 6 p.m. Please come and join us. Brother Randy, I'm going to ask you to pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following this, feel free to fellowship with one another. You're dismissed. God bless you today.